obviously the, the first part is all about your career today. But I think before we dive into that, it would be great just to understand your role at Proxima and, um, and, and, and a bit more about Proxima for the audience. Yeah, sure. So my role at Proxima is the client director in the UK. So I manage a portfolio of clients uh, and we provide lots of things for those clients in relation to procurement, whether that's cost optimization programs, opportunity assessments, uh, procurement transformation programs. Um, I manage a portfolio that is quite retail focused, although I do have clients in other sectors. Um, Proxima do the same thing for clients in the UK and the US. Um, we have a team over in Chicago. Uh, we have a team uh, in the UK and we have a service centre based down in Wales. Um, yeah, we've been around for 25 years now. Uh, we're about 250 people in total. Um, and I've been in the business for 15 years and I've done quite a few roles in that time. Um, started out client facing and then for a number of years, I went operation side. I was our COO for a number of years and then came back to a client facing role about three years ago. And you started your procurement journey at Asda, didn't you? I did, yes, yeah. Um, and I, yeah, retail was kind of my route into procurement. Um, I've always been passionate about retail. I, um, I remember spending many, many times in uh, stores after opening hours because my dad was a, a store manager for BHS. So um, I was pretty fascinated at, at how kind of retail operations ran kind of from an on the ground perspective. Um, was always interested in it. Um, I remember being eight years old and we had to do a, a talking class about our hobbies or our interests. And all the boys did Star Wars and football teams. And all my friends were doing um, their pet rabbit or their favorite breed of dog. And I did retailers at eight. I mean, <laughs> I, I remember bringing in the carry bags and showing it Marks and Spencer's carry bag. And this is what you can get at Marks and Spencer's. And this is River Island. Um, so I guess it was probably inevitable that I'd end up in something connected to retail. Um, and I joined ASDA, well, I actually was looking for a retail buyer role. And at the time, ASDA happened to be recruiting. Um, and it was just after the Walmart acquisition. So it was a really exciting time. Um, and the role I joined to do was uh, international from, from the start. So I was traveling the Far East, I was in India, trying to find new sources of supply for non-food goods. Mm. So I did a Halloween uh, decorations, Christmas uh, product, uh, garden furniture, bedding, toys, loads of interesting product. Um, and my role was to find new, new sources, but then convince the UK teams to buy direct from the factory, as opposed to through the agent network that they'd been quite used to doing. Mm -hmm. So it was quite a fundamental shift in how they kind of view their supply chain, really, and, and much more complex. Um, and, and I guess there was a lot more risk in it. Um, so it was really about trying to change the way that ASDA did things at the time. And that's what was quite interesting. Um, and because I worked um, sort of internationally, I was able to run a few programs trying to get Walmart buyers to pool volume and buy together to get better pricing, um, which sounds a really logical, obvious thing to do. Um, but try and convince a German buyer that they should buy the same thing as a UK buyer and the same thing as a Canadian buyer was yeah. pretty impossible. Um, I mean, you know, they were some of the best retail buyers in the world, actually, and I, I learned an awful lot from, from, from doing that. And I think that my route into procurement was, was really around that kind of you know, instigating change in a business, which is what I've been doing very much at, at, at Walmart. Um, 
and then the Proxima role came up and yeah, I didn't really, I've not really looked back since then because actually everything I do in, in, in Proxima is about, um, is about change for our clients and it's about influencing different ways of doing things, different ways of looking at things. Um, and now the fact that I'm doing that for retail clients and some really, you know, interesting brand names, um, that's, that's a bonus really. Yeah, I was going to ask, how did you make the transition from a, um, a well-known retailer to a, um, to a boutique procurement consultancy? Was that, was that much of a, a kind of um, shifting gears for you or, or was it a natural transition? I mean, it was a shifting gear on the surface, but actually when you look at what I've been doing in that role and what I, what I do and what we do in Proxima, which is about you know, helping businesses buy better, helping businesses look at problems from a different perspective, that's really that was my background and, and doing it in retail buying um, and then doing it kind of as a consultant wasn't too much of a shift um, so um, it, it was a role that I joined thinking that I'd do it for a couple of years um, <laughs> and 15 years later I think it's just been constantly challenging always new clients with different you know problems and at different points on the mature, maturity journey in terms of where their procurement function is in, in the business so it's been ever evolving, really, and I haven't felt the need to go anywhere else. Um, and in fact, I've probably, well, I've never actually counted how many clients I've worked with and for over the years. But, you know, it must be, you know, it's 50 or so. Um, so it's like having worked for all those different businesses and lots of different guises. So I feel like I've had, you know, 50 jobs in one probably over the 15 years. And as you've alluded to, I'm sure you've seen a lot of change in the evolution of the way your clients operate and the way um, procurement is done. What are you most passionate about um, when it comes to procurement now? Um, well, I think Proxima has always kind of nurtured my curiosity and um, being able to find solutions to quite complex challenges is what I'm, I guess, most passionate about. Um, every day is different. So every day is a different challenge. And I think it's about trying to get procurement to the core of a business. Um, you know, get procurement to be seen as a business enabler, and, you know, not, not a place you go to to run a process or simply, um, and helping clients achieve that probably is the most, the most rewarding thing and what I'm most passionate about. Mm. And is there anybody that's inspired you in your, in your career? Any key figures that you've looked up to? Um, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm probably inspired by the people around me more than anything. My, my, my teams who, really go the extra mile um, that don't give up when it gets tough that um, pull together to sort of achieve something when you perhaps thought it wasn't achievable um, I'm always struck by when new people join the business um, in fact I was chatting to one yesterday in, in our US business who um, gave me a call just to introduce himself and and he said the same thing that lots of people do say which is you know the culture is brilliant everyone's willing to help me and um, they're not in it for themselves and I, and that's absolutely true I would say and that's probably inspired me to keep going any more than any sort of motivational leader or TED talks that I've listened to if, if I'm honest. And, and at the point in your career now as a procurement leader are, are there any kind of key traits that you think um, a procurement leader needs to demonstrate that are really important? Um, yeah I would say that um, good leaders in procurement are those that give people the space to sort of grow and try out new things and maybe fail a bit and, and learn from that. Um, 
you know, I've said people often view procurement as a bit of a process, but it's so much more than that. It's about relationships. It's about influencing. It's about seeing opportunity for change, being persuasive in sort of driving people towards that. So you've got to provide people with the opportunity to kind of develop their own style, um, but then put the framework around them so they sort of feel supported to, to do that. Mm -hmm. And in terms of that framework to be supported as a... Um... As a, as a female procurement leader, do you think that there are enough opportunities out there in the industry for, um, for young females to progress in the career now? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are huge opportunities for, for, for men and women in the industry now, um, probably more than when, when I started. Um, I think procurement is moving more towards the centre of organisations. Um, I think it offers a good platform for people in the sector to ultimately have a, have a seat at the, at the top table. Um, we, we pride ourselves on diversity at Proxima and our, you know, our clients are diverse after all. So we actively take steps to create a workforce that sort of represents and mirrors our clients. Um, so we're always looking for great female talent. I think there's some, some good opportunities out there now. Right. That's really good to hear. And what skills and attributes do you believe help women progress their career? Um, I guess there are certain skills that, that all procurement professionals would benefit from and some of those key ones actually I think often come naturally to women um, so high emotional intelligence is, is really important being able to go in and read a room respond in a way that sort of builds trust um, being able to navigate conflict and navigate difficult conversations is, is really important um, and being quite flexible to sort of different ways of doing things and different ways of, of, of viewing things and actually, one of the, the, the biggest skills um, that make people successful, I think, in this industry is being a really good communicator. Um, mm. And you also need a positive attitude right, and a positive mindset. And that, and that goes a long way, I think, to, to, to success. Mm -hmm. And it, do you think there's anything more that can be done to um, encourage women to progress in, in this profession? Um, I mean, always, yeah, in, in most industries, I would say. Um, I'm pretty passionate about um, mentoring and, and giving support and, um, and help to, to, to younger female talent coming into the industry and coming into Proxima. Um, I've done that in the UK, but I've also even done that in our US business with um, young female um, graduates who I've never actually met or, or kind of had the pleasure of working with. Um, and, and I think that's entirely possible to do because it's about sharing your experience and being and being quite honest about the challenges that you've had because they're probably the same things that they're grappling with at, at the time hmm. so it's not sort of putting yourself up on a pedestal of you know I'm in this role and this is what you should do and, and, and sort of giving them you know necessarily your advice but it's being a sounding board and sort and of sharing and sizing. And on the note of um, just graduates in general um, regardless of whether they're male or female. Do you think that the people at university and studying in school know, know about procurement as a profession? I know it's getting better, but I still talk to so many people who are like, what's procurement? It is getting better. I think certainly when I left university, which is far too long ago, um, people hadn't really heard of it. Or it might have been a module in an economics or business degree that people had glossed over. I think now there, you know, there are some good courses that actually are procurement focused and we've had some brilliant success at recruiting graduates from those specific courses. Um, and actually this year is probably our highest graduate intake ever. And 
in lots of those um, cases where we've brought graduates into, into Proxima, we've put them onto client engagements quite quickly. And I am bowled over by how well they've coped and how quickly they've learned and how quickly they've um, managed to work within quite mature, experienced teams. Um, I think it is becoming more of a destination type of um, role, but um, it's probably still loads more to do. I'd imagine coming from university and going straight into a, um, a consultancy type role, it might be a bit of a baptism by fire in, in relation to just going into an industry in-house role. Is there any advice that you would give a graduate going into the profession and certainly the profession within consultancy? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say to them, you know, don't stop challenging yourselves and every day probably do something that you find a little bit scary because that's the best way to learn and, and, and grow and develop. Um, and just, you know, ask questions of those around you. you know, we always put, you know, very tight uh, support networks around individuals um, initially, and that, that really helps them sort of feel confident. Um, and, and that confidence, it's amazing how quickly it, it grows. Um, I'd probably also say, I, I sort of came out of university thinking I needed to sort of stay two years in a job and move on and move on and move on and kind of, build up this CV that perhaps would make me really attractive because I'd been in lots of different businesses um, and had lots of different challenges and roles. I don't think that is necessarily the right way to go. I think I've, as I said at the start, I've been in Proxima 15 years and managed to have lots of different roles and challenges and experience in that time. You don't need to keep moving to mm -hmm. get that, that stretch. So, you know, as long as you're constantly learning, I would, you know, sometimes it's actually a great idea to kind of stay where you are and really you know build um your experience within one one organization mm -hmm. I, can, I can see why that would be a really attractive offering at a company like proxima because you get to work with so many different clients and so many different projects i guess it it they, they, there's constantly things which which are appealing to someone who wants to learn absolutely absolutely yeah. and with regards to um looking ahead at the future of procurement, um, what do you think are the key focus areas for procurement right now? Um, th there's so much going on. Um, we, we recently launched a um, procurement in 21 report looking at sort of key trends for professionals. And um, the key things that came out of that were around sustainability, hearing a lot about that now, um, cost optimization, which you might expect, um, innovation, and also business transformation and responding to the need to be agile within the kind of, you know, the COVID year that we've had. Um, and I would say that I, I think procurement is really, um, the role is, is really shifting as a result, probably as a result of the pandemic. Um, I think businesses, you know, are, are viewing procurement in a different way. Um, procurement's been pretty critical through the last year and, and leaders are now starting to see the function um, as much broader than, than cost cutting or, or, or process driven. Um, and seeing the function as one that can really support uh, around risk management, corporate responsibility, sustainability, I mentioned. Um, procurement can be real drivers of innovation. They can be funders of investment. So I think it's a real moment in time for procurement to show itself as a business enabler. It's quite mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. And what are you seeing um, with regards to procurement function um, in the backlash to COVID? Are you seeing much change in that respect? Um, yeah, I mean, um, I think 2021, you know, procurement will remain sort of at the heart of businesses, both helping with um, you know, navigating the ongoing COVID situation, 
but also, um, you know, Brexit is now upon us as well. And um, I think um, that there's a lot of focus on supply chains and supply chains needed to be flex flexible and agile. Um, and businesses are going to start to need to make um, quite smart decisions around where to invest. So, um, you know, procurement can really help with that. Um, I think it's, it's also really important that at this point, businesses don't sort of batten down the hatches and, and become really internally focused. I think it's important to keep looking up at what others are doing, what's new, um, what you supply, you can learn from your suppliers. Um, and that's the best way to sort of keep ahead and, and keep learning. So I think procurement functions that are willing and able to, to innovate, to transform and to learn from others, those are the ones that are going to be the most successful through, through you know, the next 12 months. And are there any um, procurement trends or hot topics that you're seeing or off the back of that emerging roles, which you think will be, um, that we'll see more of in, in the back end of 2021 and perhaps 2022? Um, yeah, I would say actually, uh, if, if I think of many of the conversations I've had in the last two or three weeks with, with clients, uh, you know, a lot of my conversations are with CPOs or CFOs. Um, one of the things that, that that's come out in probably almost all of them actually is being around employee well-being, uh, and I think given how isolated we all are, and also the tendency to work longer hours as well. Now we haven't got the same commitments around commuting and and sort of travelling at the start and the end of the day. Um, you know, we're taking this very seriously at Proxima. Um, you know, we, we've got quite a lot of initiatives to to make sure our employees are. Sort of happy that their work-life balance is is manageable um, and particularly those individuals that perhaps are new to the organization and have joined in the last few months and actually don't have those real life connections with individuals yet to make sure they feel you know connected to the business um, and i think you know this is really important for lots of businesses we've all been working really really hard um, and there have been businesses that have been struggling um, but also those that have been doing very well and on either side of the spectrum people have worked hard um, and you haven't got the same kind of release of your leisure time now weekends away and holidays and those kind of things so I think you know the division between work life and home life has become blurred and that's really really important um, for business now to kind of tackle and make sure that you know they can retain retain people and, and, and keep people motivated um, you know and happy at work mm. um, I think another thing that's come out um, really strongly actually recently is around and it's been a hot topic for, for, for a long time but I think there's a real kind of focus on it at the moment is around sustainability and um, and around ESG environmental social governance mm -hmm. um, and also how to drive that sort of through your supply chain I think and for retailers it's really it's really important because I think customers are starting to you know make choices about which brands they align themselves with on the basis of not just price and choice, but on the basis of a company's sustainability, corporate responsibility ethos. So making sure that um, you're selecting suppliers that are compatible with your own corporate commitments around sustainability is, is going to be really challenging and one that you know, I think procurement are going to be kind of front and centre of. Mm -hmm. And on the subject of retail, which I know is a is a, a particular favourite of yours and uh, it's very interesting to me as well because I work with a lot of retailers. Um, what changes are you seeing um, for essential retailers since COVID? Um, 
well, it's been a difficult year. <laughs> um, yeah. um, I don't think my retail week feed has been, um, you know, quite so busy as it has in the last 12 months. Um, I think in 20, you know, 2021 will be all about trying to understand how some of those preferences that sort of changed and evolved in 2020 as a result of COVID, which of those are here to stay and what the so-called new normal is going to be for retail. Um, I, my view is that 2020 actually accelerated a, a lot of trends that were emerging anyway. Um, uh, you know, and actually, you know, looking at, um, we, we did a report recently for re retail leaders looking at sort of key changes and how, how to create success in the year ahead. And there's, there's so many things that retailers are grappling with. Um, you know, the surge in e-commerce, the legislative barriers around Brexit, that's got massive implications for supply chains. Um, so lots of retailers looking at how do I create flexibility and agility so that I can pivot and respond um, to a situation that's still unpredictable. Um, technology is another theme, um, how to use that to get ahead. And there's lots of strands to that. You know, there's from new payment solutions, biometrics, to um, the emerging sort of marketing technologies that will help retailers understand how to use data to drive their customer loyalty. Um, and, and just overall how to connect the physical and the digital retail experiences mm -hmm. um, is, a, is a, you know, a big hot topic. Um, sustainability again for retailers is, you know, is key and, and customers are gonna expect retailers to have a strong position on it. So mm -hmm. I think this year, you know, that, that, that needs quite a lot of attention. Um, and I think um, it probably goes without saying, it's all over the news, you know, traditional bricks and mortar retailers, how do they have a, a strategy for their property portfolio going forward? And what does that look like? Um, and, and how can they potentially use stores in different ways? I mean, I've seen wellness centers um, using stores as fulfillment centers, as purely as showrooms that you then go away and buy online. Um, that's gonna be a challenge that, that, that you know, many retailers are gonna be grappling with this year. Mm. It's really interesting, and um, I wonder if, um, if just going a little bit off piece here, Claire, how much of this, the things that you've talked about there, uh, do you think would have come anyway? Um, do, do you think a lot of it would have would have indefinitely come, um, but COVID has just fast tracked everything? Um, I think I think there's a lot of truth in that actually, and I, I think um, COVID's been a bit of a reset, and it's easy to kind of lament the loss of you know the Debenhams of these worlds. Um, and we've all got fond memories, uh, you know, of shopping in those stores when we were younger. Um, but I think it, you know, COVID in, in those cases probably just accelerated the inevitable. Um, and what it's meant is that, you know, more innovative, fresh, newer retailers are gonna rise to the top and um, the future of retail is probably gonna be dominated by those that can, um, like I say, innovate, the, the brands that can create a real connection with their customers those retailers that are more value driven that can, I guess, sort of push the boundaries to stay fresh and relevant. So what you probably, I, I don't get upset when I see, you know, a retailer's gone under and, you know, good old Debenhams, you know, I, I actually see it as exciting because who's going to then emerge? You know, mm. Who are the new players that are going to come, come to the fore? And we've seen, you know, lots of different innovative um, solutions come to market over the last year. And I think that's just going to keep going. So. Mm. And with regards to some of the uh, the non-essential retailers and the challenges that they're facing, which you've touched upon quite a bit already, 
Um, you know, there's a few out there that have refused to go online purely because it would take so long to get their stock up or they'd have to constantly update their stock and it just wouldn't work to their model. Do you see them adapting in any way or, or just holding it out until people can go back into the stores and hoping that their profits will go up and they'll stay afloat? I mean, but people are divided on this. And, um, you know, when it comes to some of the bigger players that have resolutely refused to go online, I think that's a really interesting statement. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say that it's potentially risky um, because I think the future of retail is going to be a real blend between online and, and, and real world in-store, you know, experiences. Um, but I think with certain propositions, um, the business model, you know, doesn't necessarily support it. And the challenge around returns, the challenge around margins, um, you know, means that for some retailers, you know, having a bold statement around, you know, we're staying on the high street, we're opening our doors. And, you know, the one I'm thinking of will have queues when the, the day they open and, and people are very loyal to some of those brands so they can make it work good on them fast forward 10 years i can't imagine a world where a retailer doesn't have some kind of online proposition personally yeah yeah it's interesting as well because i've spoken to um, a number of procurement professionals and and they're very divided in the way that they're looking at retail now some are you know vehemently looking to get out of retail and others are saying you know retail is going to have to change and procurement can be part of that change and there's real opportunity for people who work in procurement in the retail space what what's your view on that to to anybody considering going into the, the professional or considering leaving it? Oh, I'd say it's a fascinating area to be in, um, you know, and, and from a procurement perspective, um, particularly fascinating because you've got a real opportunity to um, go along that journey of a retailer having to innovate the way it does things, having to look at its supply chain, having to understand how all of a sudden, you know, it's got a load of data um, from how it's engaging with customers in a digital world. How do you use that data to best, you know, target your offering? Um, all of those things, you know, will touch procurement, you know. Um, you know, procurement will be influencing, uh, you know, marketing supplies that you're using. It's going to be influencing the property strategy. It should be influencing, you know, um, things like your payments um, solutions. So many retail touch points um, that are sort of, you know, physically out there in the stores or you know part of the website will be influenced in some way by procurement and the supply chain um, that, that sits around that business so procurement's for me it's like being at the center of the organization I completely agree yeah i think i think for the right candidate it's a great intellectual challenge and um mm. if they're up for the challenge then it could be a great story to tell on their cv absolutely yeah absolutely you know i i never thought i'd have a more interesting job than traveling around India looking at factories, um, you know, back when I was in my early 20s. But, um, you know, some of the conversations I have now with, you know, quite senior individuals in, you know, big, well-known, loved brands, um, it's fascinating to get an insight on, you know, as to how it works from the inside out. Um, mm. But for, for someone like me who's passionate about, you know, retail and is a real consumer, and I think um, it's a great career choice. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Claire. That was really, really interesting. And um, thanks for the insight into the, to the retail world as well. It's fascinating. You're, you're welcome.